0: Today, I want to play a little game with you, and it's not a difficult game, so don't get worried, and it's also not a very involved game. But I do I would like for you to uh, put your thumb in the air. It will require some uh, thumb action, all right? So thank you for the people who are all the way up here. That's great. You're eager. Put up your thumb. All right, let's practice thumbs up. And this this is thumbs down, okay? So here's how the game goes. I want you, when I say a piece of good news, to give me thumbs up. And when I say a piece of bad news, give me a thumbs down. See, not too hard. <clears throat> here's, the first, uh, here's the first piece of news. You get to go on vacation next week, okay? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. Everybody ought to be thumbs up, unless you've got something else important around here and you don't want to miss it. Thumbs up. Okay, you need to have a routine colonoscopy tomorrow. Thumbs way down. You have a loved one who has cancer, but that cancer is in remission. That cancer is in remission. Praise God. Thumbs up. Your child has been suspended from school for a week. What? Watch it. Uh Uh-oh, I don't know who that was. (laughs) Okay, man, you can't plan stuff like that. Okay, that's a thumbs down. Everybody thumbs down. You just won $1,000 in a contest. Woo, thumbs up. You need to put a new roof on the house, but insurance is not going to cover a dime. (laughs) Uh, How about this one, students? Your final exam has been canceled and the whole class is going to get an automatic 100. Thumbs up. Yes. Okay, how about this one? You will face the judgment seat of Christ at the end of time. Okay? Put your hands down. I don't know. I didn't look out at how you responded to that. Uh, But this is a house of faith. You are people of faith and... Undoubtedly, your faith uh, informed whether you gave it a thumbs up or a thumbs down to that last scenario. But let me tell you something. Our culture, people outside this building, people outside the faith, they have decided that the idea of a judgment day, which I just shared with you, and I borrowed some language there from Paul in 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 10, this image of facing the judgment seat of Christ at the end of time. This idea to our culture is not good news, it's bad news. It's bad news. It is offensive. Uh, It's repellent. It's not something that attracts outsiders to the faith. And whether or not you wound up putting your thumb up to that, if you hesitated, that is probably due to to culture's influence on the way that you think. And we need to be aware of that. Just so we're on the same page this morning, our word is judgment. And I want to make sure everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say judgment day. When I say judgment day, I'm talking about the belief that is spelled out in the Scriptures that at the second coming of Christ, every person who has ever lived will be judged by Christ and either eternally rewarded or punished, and this is a belief that is fleshed out all throughout the New Testament, and we see, of course, um, appearances in the Old Testament. But but the details are sort of filled in in the New. One New Testament renowned New Testament scholar says that the idea of the judgment day is absolutely vital and it's a non-negotiable Christian belief. Now that's pretty strong language. A bold statement. More importantly, the author of Hebrews in the New Testament says that the judgment day, the idea of an eternal judgment, he calls it, the the author of Hebrews, an elementary doctrine of Christ or a foundational belief principle of the faith. That's in chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. While the world has declared the judgment day to be bad news, we as people of faith as Christians we continue to insist that it is actually good news. The scriptures tell us that it's good news. It is a component of the gospel and that very word means what? Good news. So this morning, let me just let me lift up the hood a little bit. I don't do this often, but let me tell you the goals of this sermon. If you doubt that the judgment day is good news, and I am certain that in an audience this size, there are people out there who are not so sure that the judgment day is actually good news. Even if you're a baptized believer. Even if you were baptized 10, 20, 30 years ago, you are a little bit hesitant about saying, yes, I believe that what the scriptures teach about the judgment day is good news. My goal this morning is to convince you otherwise. My goal in laying out What the Scriptures teach is to convince you that, yes, actually, the Judgment Day is good news. I want to flip your thinking about it. I want to change the paradigm. And if this is something, and I bet that it is, that you struggle to talk about with others, with people who are not Christians, the fact that the Judgment Day is actually good news, I hope that this sermon will provide some helpful ideas and some language that will equip you to better communicate about how the Judgment Day is good news. Now this is an old-fashioned three-point sermon. I'm going to give you three reasons why I believe the judgment day is good news. Number one, it's good news. The judgment day is good news. Because we live in a wicked world. We live in a wicked world. Many people who are offended by the idea of a judgment day are products of a sheltered, Peaceful environment. The idea that the judgment day is bad news really has come from people like me. People who have lived in this country uh, in peace and tranquility and prosperity. Uh, People like me who haven't witnessed the atrocities and the level of wickedness and evil that can go on. In, in other countries. People who are protected from it, like I am. I mean, these things pop up on our Facebook news feed and on the television set. But when we start to see images and read stories and, 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 and witness videos on there of some of the terrible things that go on, we can just keep stro- scrolling. Or we can take the channel changer and, and flip it to something a little more pleasant. However... People who have witnessed, actually witnessed firsthand evil and wickedness, they don't have such a problem with this idea that God is judge. They don't have as big a problem with it as those of us who've been sheltered from evil. Listen to the psalmist, for uh, for instance. The psalmists don't have a problem with this image of God as judge. This is Psalm 98, verse 8. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. A verse of rejoicing? You want to guess what the psalmist is talking about here? He's talking about the coming judgment of God. And he says it's a cause for rejoicing. He continues, God comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. So get excited. Be happy. How different is that from our culture? We're not excited about judgment. Uh, We are disgusted by the idea of a God who judges, not the psalmist, Why? It's because the psalmist, they had real enemies who wanted to do them real harm. And they wanted God to intervene, to come down, and to put those wicked people in their place to judge them. Now, I may be sheltered from evil, but there are some, a few, in this audience who have witnessed evil firsthand. In Europe and other places during World War II, when millions upon millions of people were slaughtered because of their ethnicity or their faith, in Vietnam, in Iraq, and Afghanistan, and other war-torn areas where humans have behaved inhuman, inhumanly, violently, wickedly toward other humans, you've seen it. Some of you have seen it. This kind of behavior. And because you've seen it, you understand the need for a judge. I bet most of you have heard about the latest attack on the people of Syria by their own president. Maybe some of you have seen the video images. The immediate aftermath of that chemical attack. Children, toddlers gasping for breath, fighting in vain to stay alive. You know, a lot of people say, a good God can't. Just can't be a God of judgment. But I say, a God unwilling to judge and punish evil like that can't be a good God. Can't be a God worthy of worship. A God who overlooks stuff like that. A God who would just allow that kind of thing to go on indefinitely. That's not a good God. A good God would judge evil and wickedness and punish evildoers. I think it's comforting for many people to serve a God who will someday sort everything out and bring evildoers to judgment. A God who says, vengeance is mine. You may not work out justice in in your world today. It may not all be meted out while you're alive. But you can count on the fact that when I come back, when I come back in, in the form of my son Jesus Christ, I will take care of it, so trust in me. I will take vengeance. I will bring justice. You can trust in me to handle it. And so this idea of Judgment Day, it's good news because we live in an increasingly wicked world, a world that needs to be set to right, and only God can do it, and God has promised to do it. And so to people out there who are suffering under the regimes of evil dictators... To people out there who have been maimed and whose family members have been killed, to them, the idea of Judgment Day and God as judge, that is good news. Now, secondly, it's also good news because every God-honoring word or deed will be remembered. Every God-honoring word or deed will be remembered. You know, the Bible teaches, and we don't, talk about it a whole lot. Maybe we don't like to talk about it, but the scriptures teach that we will be judged by how we live. Romans chapter 14 verse 12, Paul says, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Have you considered what that will be like? You will give an accounting of how you have lived this life in the flesh to God on the judgment day when Christ returns. We will be judged by our words. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 36, by your words, you will be either justified or condemned. We will also be judged by our deeds. 2 Corinthians 5.10, our scripture for this morning. Each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. You will receive what is owed to you based on what you have done in the body, whether it's good or evil. Now, that might be bad news to an unbelieving world. That might be bad news to the unrighteous. But to those of us who are devoted believers, to those of us who are Christians, what this means is that no act or word of service will be forgotten by God, not even One. And that ought to be, for those of us who are seeking to live by God's will and according to his word, that ought to be good news for us. I think that's what Paul had in mind when in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, he instructs those first century believers in this way: He says, Be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. In other words, don't stop, keep working. Keep serving. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Hold fast and keep following God and doing good. Why? Paul says, because you know that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Your service is not wasted. You are not spinning your wheels. Even if nobody else in the world notices how you're living your life, God notices He will remember on the day of judgment. He will not forget not even one kind act that you've done in His name. Not even one kind word that you've spoken because of your devotion to Him. Every kind word spoken. Every hug given to someone who's struggling. Every note that you write to encourage someone, lift them up. Every generous donation that you make. Every pie you bake. Every casserole you cook. Every Bible class you teach every personal Bible study that you're involved in, every ride given, every visit made, every prayer offered, every single one, God will remember. And that's good news. That's good news. That makes the judgment day good news. Because every God-honoring word or deed will be remembered by your Father who is in heaven. Now lastly, the judgment day is good news, third and final. It's good news because we live in a wicked world and we need somebody to judge. It's good news because everything you do in service to God is not forgotten by God. And lastly, it's good news because... And this is the best news of all. This is what makes the judgment day good news more than the first two. It's good news because our judge is also our Savior. He's one and the same. Our judge on that last day, as we are brought before the judgment seat of Christ, the one sitting on that seat is not a hard-hearted, arrogant, vengeful tyrant looking to punish you, looking for any excuse he can to condemn you. It's the Messiah sitting there. The one who took the world's judgment upon Himself on the cross for your sake. Your judge is also your Savior. The one you will stand before in judgment is the one whose blood has already made you righteous. To be able to stand there. Faultless to stand before that seat. And because God has made you righteous, what Jesus will see when He looks upon you on the day of judgment, Is not all your sinful behaviors in your sinful past. He will see Christ. Because you've been clothed in his righteousness. That's why Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8 can confidently say. Listen to Paul's words here. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Can you say it with such confidence? Now you say it not in confidence in yourself and your own ability to behave rightly and to please God with everything you say and do. You say it because you have confidence in God to save you and to make you righteous. That's why Paul can say it. Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners, but I'm still confident that there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness because I serve a righteous God who has made me righteous in his sight. So I, 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 I'm confident, I believe, I trust that there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Culture says, Judgment Day, thumbs down. Bad news. Paul says, Christians, Judgment Day, thumbs up. It's something we can look forward to. It's something we can eagerly anticipate. Paul even goes so far as to say, we ought to love his appearing. You think about it in those terms. Will you love the appearing of Jesus Christ on that last day? Will you be excited when he returns? Do you love the promise of his appearing? Are you eagerly anticipating the day when Christ comes back and eternity begins? I would submit to you that a believer's eager anticipation and longing for Christ's appearing is a sign of spiritual maturity. It's a sign of spiritual maturity when somebody says, you know, I I am legitimately excited about Christ's return. I'm legitimately, genuinely excited about judgment day. And you know what that tells me, that observation? I've got a long way to go before I am fully spiritually mature. Because I'm not as excited about Judgment Day as I ought to be, as the Scriptures instruct me to be. I don't view it as unadulterated good news like the Bible does. But I ought to, because that's what God's Word is communicating to me, that the Judgment Day is not bad news, It shouldn't be offensive. It shouldn't be something that we're afraid of. It's good news. It should be something we're excited about. Paul in Romans chapter 14 verse 11 says that someday every tongue shall confess that Christ is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every knee. Every tongue. Now, I want my, my knee to bow now in this life. I want my tongue to confess that Jesus is Lord. I want my life to confess that Jesus is Lord right now. And our goal ought to be that we are confident for the day of judgment, as Paul was. Paul was confident that on that day he would receive eternal life, that he would receive that crown of righteousness that that was goal number one for him. That was objective number one. That's what he wanted more than anything. And he was confident in his God to deliver that to him. But he knew and we ought to know, too, that we are not without some responsibility when it comes to receiving that crown of righteousness. Yes, it is by God's love and grace that we could even have a shot of getting there But God requires us to respond in certain ways. And this morning, there are people sitting in this room who are not prepared for the judgment day. Not because God hasn't done what what He said He would do. Not because God hasn't kept His part of the deal, the biggest part of the deal, but because you have not properly responded and received the gift of eternal life. And my question to you this morning is, what are you waiting on? Don't you want to be prepared for the day of the Lord? Don't you want to be ready when you will appear before the judgment seat of Christ? Don't you want to be one of those who can appear before Christ having repented of your old life, having confessed that you believe He is the Son of God, having been washed in water? for the forgiveness of your sins? Don't you want to appear before Him, having done all those things and having attempted to the best of your ability to live a life that brings Him glory and honor? My appeal to you this morning is, if you aren't ready for the judgment day, it's time to get ready. Because the judgment day might be this day. The judgment day... Might be tomorrow. We don't know. God's waited a long time. Since Jesus was last here. Jesus promised that he would return. It's been 2,000 years. That promise could be actualized at any moment. Are you ready? Are you ready? If you're not, you can get ready. And we would love to see somebody come down. And be baptized. Baptized. And become one with Christ and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and receive the promise of eternal life. You can do that today. You can get ready for the judgment day as we stand and sing together.